Welcome to Kanza Radio, a weekly update on the people, events, activities, and initiatives of the Kahn Nation, people of the South Wind, on 1230 WBBZ and 1047 The Bull. Now from the Kahn Nation studios, this week's edition of Kanza Radio. Sitting down with us today, we have Ashley Bradford-Clark. She's the marketing director for Rock and Brews Casino. This is actually the first interview we're doing with her. I'm so excited to finally get her in here. Thank you so much, Ashley, for sitting down today. No worries. Good morning. It's exciting to have you. I've been looking forward to getting more people from Rock and Brews here, um, you or Bruce. There's so much we can do together. There's a lot of promoting we can talk about and just kind of let our tribal members in the general community know more about what's going on out there in Bremen. Speaking of which, the land out there in Bremen and getting it into trust for the tribe, getting the gaming all set up out there. I didn't realize this, but after talking to Ken Belmar, that's actually decades in the making. It sounds like a lot of that even goes back to the 80s. Such a gradual, slow-moving process. A lot of hoops to jump through, I'm sure. But yes. it's so exciting to see what it's finally turned into in recent years. We've got the casino built. It's opened. Got the grand opening not too long ago. We're up and running out there. How has it been going out there so far? Well, you know, it's uh, it's been an amazing experience to be able to see it from uh, start to finish as far as the building goes. I can't say I'm with Ken, you know, through the 80s, but um, I started at the casino under Southwind Casino, of course, in 2006. So I've oh, been able to see it uh, from our home base, which was our Newkirk property, to see it flourish and do well. And then we expand to... Uh, our Brayman property, that was so exciting. I remember when they were finally saying, you know, that land's in trust, we're going to put something down, and then seeing the trailer go down. It was just something that we knew as employees that the tribe had been working on for years. So it was a, it was a big deal for everybody, whether you were a tribal citizen or if you were a worker. It was a huge deal because I-35 was kind of uncharted territory mm-hmm. uh, for our market. So that was a huge opportunity for us to be on I-35. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I'm actually, I'm relatively new out here. I don't even go back as far as you. Actually, when I first got out here, Southwind had just closed. I just barely missed it. I'd love to hear more about that. So you were working with the casinos even back then in Southwind. Right. Yes. uh, So in 2006, I was 18 and looking for an opportunity. Southwind had benefits that a lot of places didn't have at that time uh, with the healthcare, they had insurance and things like that. And even as an 18 year old, I knew I needed it. Mm -hmm. So um, it was just a great place to work. It was just like a family atmosphere. And that's what latched me on. And there were so many job opportunities of different career paths you could take. So that's what made it so attractive to me. So that's been out there since at least 2006. Is that when Southwind opened as well? No, Southwind opened in the uh, with just bingo in the 80s. Oh, wow. Okay. I can't remember the year, but it's been around forever. Bingo had been around much longer than gaming. I had no clue the Southwind goes back that far. So if I had to guess, we were probably one of the first tribes to offer gaming in this greater area, in the greater uh, probably K County area. So that kind of gave us an edge. But as more and more tribes started to develop, we had to step our game up and Right. It got super competitive there, probably around 2007, I believe it was. Um, we had Native Lights pop-up and then first council and then you know all the little gasinos and so it got very saturated and we're still in a saturated market even on i-35 right now 
You know, that's not always a bad thing. I come from northern Nevada, Reno, um, huge casino town. Yes. It's actually, when I first came out here, I found it almost odd that casinos close, that they have like closing hours because everything is just 24 7 in Reno. Huge market out there. I even worked a little bit in the casinos. I did some bartending for a few years in uh, Pepper Mill, actually. And something you learn after you kind of rub elbows with like some of the executives, some of the higher ups, is that competition isn't always a bad thing. When when there's more and more people opening up businesses that are in the same industry as you, you almost become a destination as a whole. So right. when you tell me that, you know, it's very highly competitive, there's a lot of casinos even even kind of close out to us there in Bremen, that's not always a bad thing. It almost turns into a destination, maybe a tourist attraction. So that's kind of interesting. I'm excited to see what the future holds. Rock and Brews, very interesting business model definitely has a a vibe kind of a rock and roll make the players feel like a rock star kind right. of give them that personal feel do you feel that that's kind of a an aspect that sets us apart from a lot of these other casinos out here absolutely um you know i think every casino in our market has a niche you know what i mean mm-hmm. they have a target market that they're going after and i think ours is going for those that are you know huge fans of rock huge fans of music of course, fans of really good food. We have some awesome food out there. If you haven't tried it yet, I invite you to come out because our food is to die for, whether it's off of our Rock and Brews menu or if it's some of our specials that our general manager, Bruce McClure, has come up with with our all-you-can-eat crab or prime rib. That's a that's one of the huge draws that sets us apart where I feel like, and maybe I'm partial, I don't know, but our food's pretty good. No, I hear all sorts of great things. Everybody goes crazy for the crab legs out there. From what I hear, there's not a lot of people out here offering that type of special with the crab legs. So Right. It's one of those that kind of went away with COVID, and there were other casinos that were offering it, and we had never offered it while I had been at Southwind or Rock and Brews. So um, it was new to us and old hat to a lot of our guests, but definitely welcome. They We took it away for a little bit, and they basically forced us into bringing it back. They were just huge fans of it. It's very tasty. I actually ate out there for uh, Valentine's Day. We had crab, and um, it's just delicious. It, the flavor is it's there. So I would suggest definitely trying the different things on our menu out there. You mentioned earlier when you were talking about your experience back at the Southwind Casino, how they had exceptional benefits. You didn't just feel like a number. It kind of had a personal feel. Is that something that's kind of crossed over into this new environment with Rock and Brews for people that might be looking for career opportunities, people that work in that type of industry and are interested? Absolutely. I think what sets us apart as far as a place to work is, like I said, that family atmosphere, and it carries on through from Southwind to Rock and Brews. And we have a lot of directors that have been there at least a decade. So with that wealth of knowledge and, you know, that care for your employees, I think that goes all the way down. And we have frontline employees who have been there years also so it's all over you'll find that people found this to be a place to work forever to retire from I definitely enjoyed it because there were so many places different departments you can work in I mean I've been in marketing this I think this is my fifth year in October but I've been over the cage I never saw myself there but the opportunity presented itself and so I was a cage manager for a while I've been a manager on duty for a while I've dealt cards for a while. So if you get bored in one department, believe me, you can definitely move around. You will not get uh, burned out in your position because there's just so many different places you could go in the same company. Absolutely. Yeah, take it from Ashley. She's worn many hats 
You have actually a lot of positions available right now, front of house, back of house. Yes. So whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, um, we have positions for you right now. Our uh, greatest needs actually going to be EVS. That's what we call housekeeping. That's one that's currently needing some help. We also need security officers or guards is what we would call them. Mm-hmm. Slot attendants. Those are the ones that like key the jackpots or, you know, fix your machine. We need help with those. There are so many opportunities, so many paths whether that doesn't sound attractive, let's say, but, you know, get in, work 90 days, we can move you to a different department. So definitely get your feet wet if it's your first time in the industry. I suggest any of those positions to you. And then we have an exhaustive list of opportunities at rockandbrewscasinobrayman.com slash join our team. Now, with it being a rock-themed casino, I'm sure that you are very active in hosting live performances. You get a lot of bands out there is this something where when you're looking for talent are you are you kind of looking for the bigger bands that are kind of on circuits or do you even do you work with like local performers at all so every saturday from 5 to 8 30 in the evening we have a local local band oh, wow. uh, or it can be a one you know it can be a solo band but um we have worked with bands out of arc city ponca city just in the local areas, I'm just looking for someone who wants some more exposure, you know, still has that grind, you know, mm-hmm. to just play some background music to kind of set the aesthetic for the weekend. We only do it on Saturdays, but we've had a pretty good response from it. And I'm still looking for more talent. So if uh, you know someone, it's acoustic, so, you know, no drums or anything like that. But um, feel free to reach out uh, on our website, too. There's a contacts tab. You can reach out to me and send me a video and maybe we can get you in there. So you hear that any local artist that wants to get some exposure, get some playtime, reach out to Ashley. You can find contact information on the website. Speaking of bands, I know that you've got a really exciting event on its way. I believe it's coming August 19th. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, we are so excited about this event. We've been um, keeping it under wraps so long, working on it. So we've been busting at the seams to get this the message out there. But we're going to have Starship featuring Mickey Thomas August 19th. Free concert, 18 to get in, and the show starts at 8. Gates open at 6. So we are so excited to host them. Um, They have a huge draw, a lot of fans out there. People are buzzing from, you know, we've had folks from Texas talking about coming back to come to this concert. So we are expecting a huge crowd, and we are so excited to have them. Sounds like Mickey Thomas, that's a pretty big name then. Oh, yeah. No, um, if you are a fan of 80s rock, Mm -hmm. you, you know who Starship for sure. Well, that's exciting. I'm going to definitely try to make an appearance at that. I think you should. We might be able to get you close. (laughs) Hey, perfect. So again, August 19th, gates open at six. What's the address out there for anybody that's not quite sure? So the easiest way when I explain where we are is uh, I-35 exit 231. Okay. The physical address is 9525 North 177 Brayman, Oklahoma. You'll see the big water tower there. We also have a gas station. Right. The Kansas Travel Plaza. And then we just opened the uh, dog park over there, too. If you haven't heard about it, it's called the Rockin' Dog Park. No way. And uh, it just opened. And so if you ever need to let Fido out, you got a rocking place to do it. So many resources out there. Such a great destination. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited about just going over different promotions, talking more about the progress that everything's making out there, and give Bruce a shout. See if we can't drag him out here someday. Yeah, let's do it. Ashley, thank you again so much for coming in today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Thank you for having me. We'll do it again. 
You're listening to Kanza Radio on 1230 WBBZ and 1047 The Bull. For more information, visit Connation.com. Sitting down with us, we have Jalen Kent. She's the procurement director for Connation. She's also the chair for our culture committee. This is our second time speaking. Last time we spoke, she was actually in the process of attending the Ponca City Chamber of Commerce Leadership Program. So I definitely want to touch back on that. But first, how are you? Thank you for coming in today, Jalen. I'm good, Lonnie. How are you? I'm doing very good. So back to this. You recently graduated. When was that? Was that May? Yeah, I graduated at the beginning of May. We had our our graduation ceremony at the Ponca City Country Club. So it was pretty fun. We had a lot of leaders in the Ponca City community attend, you know, like the mayor, the CEO of ConocoPhillips, and those people that have those roles in the community. Quite the celebration. And that's a lot of what this program's about. It kind of teaches you how to do some networking. It creates some great relationships with you, like you said, with other prominent people in not only the business world, but, but other roles throughout the community. What are some of the key takeaways and lessons that you learned during that program? I think really just being able to network and connect with people that have these big roles in the community and to see how they selflessly serve the community. Like our mayor, Homer Nicholson, you know, he is always constantly on the go, constantly busy. And, you know, being a mayor, that's not a paid role. So you really have to have the want to help your community to do that. Yeah, if you are driven by helping people, like you said, being selfless, I think a lot of the the other good sides of that will come. But if you start from a good place like that, I think that's absolutely a, a huge value to have. And I'm glad that this program kind of showed that to you. What advice would you give to someone considering enrolling in any type of leadership program, whether it be the same program you were in or if they're attending a school or anything like that? I would look into... I would look into it and I would see, you know, if you're going to like a college that has leadership classes or, you know, they have groups, I would look into them because they're super beneficial for yourself. As the chair of the culture committee, you've been very busy. You just finished one of the big powwows, another big one on the way. How was Washunga Days this year? It was good. It was hot. We had, I think it was almost twice the amount of attendees this year on Saturday than we did last year. You mentioned that they they mowed out a larger portion of the area that the crowd kind of gets to gather. And even with it being twice as big, it was still overflowing. So that's a good sign. Yeah, it was still overflowing into the hayfield. I remember last year you had mentioned that it was a record attendance there, especially coming out of COVID. You had a lot of people showing up, especially on that second day on the Saturday. And with basically twice as many people this year, we're looking at exponential growth, which is a great thing. It shows that you and your team there on the, on the committee are are doing a great job promoting it and continuing to keep the standards of a, of a good powwow and a good event up. Yes. Yes. We have some good people on our committee. They work really hard and, you know, we're all wanting to make our powwows as good as they can be. Basically. I know that I kind of participated in the youth language powwow, kind of went just to take pictures, but ended up helping in a few different ways. And you don't realize how much goes into those and how much preparing you have to do and how organized you have to be. You have to dot every I, cross every T. I just think it's incredible the job you guys do with that. You also have another really big powwow coming up, the 47th annual Caw Nation powwow. I don't imagine that you've uh, been chair for all 40 
46 of the previous. No, no. So yeah, we have our next powwow. It's the annual call powwow and it's always held the first weekend of August. So that's three days and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really hot. It's a Friday, Saturday and Sunday. You have huge agenda for basically every day, Friday, a lot of the registration, you have your flag ceremony, you cover your tiny tots, your junior and teens on the categories for the contest. Saturday is a really big day, a bunch of categories then. And then Sunday is kind of like a cooling down period. I think Sunday you award a lot of the contest winners as well, right? Yes. At the end of the night, um, we'll award all our, all of our contest winners. In terms of vendors, are you guys still accepting vendors to this event or do you have all of that set up already? I still believe that we're taking um, on a couple more vendors at this time. Who can they reach out to if they're interested in that? Well, we have two girls on our committee that are um, in charge of you know our vendors, and that's Maggie Smith and Candy Clark. Is there any way that people can reach out to them? Is there a phone number that's available? Yeah, so Maggie's is 580-491-2555, and Candy's is 580-304-4943. They can basically just reach out to either or to kind of look into that, see if there's any spaces available. Being a vendor at these powwow events, it seems like a really good move. It's a good way to expose your businesses and the services you offer to new clientele, new customers. A lot of the vendors that go to these powwows, they're kind of on the circuit of powwows and they kind of are exposed only to that customer base. But if you have a business outside of this, let's say you have a mom and pop shop, some sort of restaurant, some sort of food truck, something like that, where you're based in Ponca City this is a great way to gain exposure to people that are visiting these powwows that may otherwise not know about your business or have never got a chance to, you know, be a customer of yours. You've got the veterans meal, the mourners meal. Those are August 4th, July 30th, accordingly. July 30th is our mourners meal. And those are for our, um, our tribal members who have lost uh, family members in the past year so they can come out of mourning and be able to be around the drum you got a very nice head staff for this event set up. You've got the MC. looks like it's Lester Eagle and Leroy Enlow. You have two MCs. You know it's a big event in that case. So are you looking forward to a pretty good show out to this? Or are you hoping for the same type of growth that you've seen over in Council Grove with Washunga Days? Yeah, I'm hoping that we have a lot more growth as the years go on. You know, we're you know, the committee, we're very open and we've, you know, we're still very thankful that other tribes in the surrounding area, you know, are more than willing to help us and guide us through preparing and coordinating the powwows. How long have you been the culture committee chair? Um, this, I just passed my year mark. Excellent. So you're kind of, you're overseeing it through the golden years here. The, the, the biggest years so far. Golden age. Jalen, thank you so much for sitting down, telling us about this upcoming powwow, as well as filling us in on on how everything's going as part of the culture committee and, and you becoming a community leader. Hopefully you're able to use a lot of these new connections and a lot of these new skills you've been learning with, uh, with the Caw Nation and continue to do a great job with uh, the procurement department. Yeah, thank you, Lonnie.
This is Kanza Radio, a service of the Kaw Nation of Oklahoma. For this segment, we have Storm Brave. She's the language director for Kaw Nation. Thank you for coming in today, Storm. Thank you for asking me. So you're a Kaw Nation tribal member who's very involved with the culture and language. Tell us a little bit about how Kaw Nation culture shaped your upbringing. Well, I was raised by my mother, Gonze Wak Ogi, and she's from the Da Nikashinga, the Deer Clan. So being raised around my culture and my language is how I have my position today. Although my father, he is from the Wahakalin district and he's Wajaji. So I'm both tribes, I'm Wajaji and Gonze. But I was raised Gonze and ever since I was little, I have been here on my Gonze reservation with my people and just immersed in this environment. So I guess that's how I am who I am today. So at what point did you know that you wanted to use this upbringing and being so embedded in your culture to help preserve our native language? What ultimately led you to becoming the language director for Kaw Nation? I think what led me to this position today is the path that my grandma, Iko Gitse Mariro, she was the one in the 1970s who preserved our language and worked with a linguist from KU, Dr. Bob Rankin to preserve our Gonze Ie so it is able to carry on and be picked up by me, her granddaughter. I foresee it having a good future now, and it wouldn't be possible without my grandma, Maud Rowe, today. You also mentioned Dr. Rankin. Mm-hmm. I've seen some things throughout the archives on our, on our .com website. He played a, a pretty important role for a long time as well, correct? Yes. So when my grandma, Maud Rowe, began her journey on this language preservation and putting a, together a dictionary in the 1970s, she worked with Dr. Bob Rankin, and she lived in Scheidler, Oklahoma. Still today, when I listen to her audio, tapes in my office. Um, I can hear in the background a bunch of children, and that's actually my mom and my uncles playing in the background. And he would come there every day, and they would sit under this big tree in Scheidler, and they would work on making a dictionary and studying the Kanze Ie so it could be preserved for today. When I was little, something else that probably shaped me is my mother, little Carol Clark, she used to work for the language department, and she worked with my teacher, my Taposka, Justin McBride. She worked there, and my little brother and I were taking Gonze Ie classes when we were five and six years old, and we stuck with our Gonze Ie classes until we graduated high school. And so having that much language training and studying, that's how I also got here. Our language is referred to as Degiha Soan, which basically means that it's part of a larger language family involving other tribes, right? Yes. It said like a long day ago that there was one tribe, and the Gonze Nikashinga, they actually don't say Degiha, we say Yagaha Nikashinga. There was five tribes that were one tribe. It was the Omaha or the Umaho, Bonka, Wajaji, Ogapa, and Gonze Nikashinga. And that'll be Ponka, Kwapa, Omaha, Gonze, and Wajaji or Osage. And a long time ago, we were all together, but as we started making our way across the plains, we started to break apart. And the Bonka Nikashinga, they kind of went one way towards Nebraska and I guess like the western part of Oklahoma. And then the Omaha, they stayed up north. And the Gonze, Wajaji, and Ogapa Nikashinga, we came down a little bit further. And then soon the Ogapa or Kwapa Nikashinga, they broke off and they went downstream. And today you you would notice that their casino is called the Downstream Casino. That's just them and part of our history as the Degiha people. 
and then the Wajaji and the Ganzi Nikashinga stayed together the longest. And you can kind of tell that in our our languages because they're so similar. When you're listening to them both, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes who is speaking what because we're just still very closely related. That also gives us good language allies and a good future, I guess, because we would kind have of helps someone. To preserve it. Yeah, yeah, preserve it because we'll always have somebody to to help us. We'll never be our ne- our language will never be taken from us. So. Tell us about some of the programs that you currently have in place regarding education and preserving the language for future generations. I believe you have locations in Cause City as well as Newkirk. My uh, language department in Gonzi Tamo in Cause City, we have an immersion class at 10.30 a.m. on Mondays and Wednesdays. And those classes are for mostly before school age children, and that's who I target in those classes because they're... Um, they're being immersed in, into Gonzaia, so I try to speak as much Gonzaia as I can. And that's where I have some really good speakers that have left that class to go to regular school. And it's just amazing seeing how much they can actually learn before they go to school. But it's kind of sad once they do go to school, they kind of lose those skills. But I still get them on Christmas breaks and Thanksgiving breaks and stuff like that. So that's an immersion class. And I have currently have a set of two-year-old twins and and two more two-year-olds that are cousins. And I have two sisters that are just from here in Cost City. And so a kind of nice size class for language class. And that's something that is new or newer to our to our people and it started when I started as the director to have immersion classes and then we have a, a class that's our advanced class that's been going for a little over 20 years and there's two students still left in there and they work to research and it's more of a conversational class and that's on Thursday evenings at 5:30 and those classes our advanced class is actually on Zoom as well. So if you are wanting to enroll into that class, it's it's pretty easy. If you look on the website, you will see our email and our phone numbers. And if you just give us your email address, we can send you the links to those classes as well. Right now, um, those are the only two classes I have in Cost City, the immersion class and the advanced class. But starting in January, we will be having a beginner's level course that's probably around six weeks long, and that will hopefully be on Zoom, so you can Zoom in wherever you are, or it will be at the Library and Learning Center in Cost City. Hopefully by then, we'll have our camera to where you can go to that class from our Newkirk site as well. That way we're offering it in both communities. My classes in Newkirk, I like to call the the Cost City Language Department the Language Department. And then when we move to Newkirk, that's our Youth Language Department. That's where, where we are located. We have access to 75 students just right there within the same area. But we do, on Fridays, we have a youth class that has around 23 to 25 kids that attend on Fridays from 3.30 to around 5.15. They are dropped off by the Newkirk school bus. We also transfer them from Scheidler schools and Ponca City schools. So once we all get there at 3.45, we start 
learning our kanzai and working on stuff that that we need to work on like performances and competitions just fun ways to keep our language revitalization going amongst our youth um why I say there's 75 students is because it's also convenient conveniently located next to our child care facilities and we have our before school age children in what I call the red building and there's about 30 jingaji children in that facility and then across the street we have our after school program that has about 20 to 25 students in there and then i have my 25 that that commute to language class on fridays so you cover the spectrum you have all sorts of um resources available if you want to learn the language for multiple ages mhm so if someone was interested in learning about the language or wanting to become more affluent in it what advice would you give them what are some of the steps they can take to get started what they should do is probably join a class and stick with it learning language is never easy and know that it's important and the importance of your language it's sacred and it's going it needs to be here for many generations so i think just telling yourself that that it's important and actually going to class and making that effort i think that's enough we have connation.gov/language that'll have any contact information you need to get a hold of storm and inquire into joining classes that webpage also has um various language resources links to her learning site her online learning site vocabulary downloads uh basic language course compiled prayers and even a guide on kanza verbs Thank you for sitting down with us today Storm. I look forward to sitting down with you again in the future and learning more and talking more about these different programs that you have in place. Sure, we will. We will know. We don't be dumb in care. You've been listening to Kanza Radio, a weekly update on the people, events, activities and services of the Ka Nation. For more information, visit our website at kanation.com or kanation on Facebook. Listen again next week at this same time for another edition of Kanza Radio.